T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. We are broadcasting to you live from the Hyundai studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. It's Inside the Clubhouse later on in The Score in one hour. Steve Rosenblum and Mark Grody. Rosie and Grody until 2. At 2 p.m., it's Cubs-Dodgers from May 30th, 2016. And after that, it's uh, Zach Zaidman and Tom Thayer together. That's after the Cubs for three hours of a show. But our next guest right now joins us on the hotline, Bruce Levine. Jim Callis, who is the all-time, always guru of the draft for MLB Pipeline, and a good friend of ours joins the show. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're, we're doing great. So uh, let's let's get through the po- political conversation of, <laughs> of this first. Hopefully I'll uh, keep and my then job we'll, through it, but that's, that's yeah. what we'll try. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get to the, uh, the, the top 20 uh, or top 30 draft picks and how it impacts the Cubs and White Sox. Uh, Jim, just your 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 general uh, idea. Uh, Matt and I, over the past uh, many weeks uh, uh, since we've heard about how the draft was going to shake down, uh, talk about how uh, this draft with five rounds will most likely drive young players in high school and even uh, college level to continue on in their education and uh, maybe find uh, that a way of continuing their professionalism by not giving in to signing for twenty thousand dollars if you're drafted if you're uh, if you're being signed after the fifth round of the twenty twenty draft. Yeah, so like you said, I mean you you can't sign for more than twenty thousand dollars if you don't go in in the five rounds of this five round draft. And in most years, teams could a use extra bonus pool money to entice you. Um, whether you're, you're you're not drafted, um, they can, you know, or they could pay you $125,000 without accounting against their pool. Like there's there was lots of flexibility, and this year you can't do that. And you know, last year there were 395 players who got six-figure bonuses outside the fifth round, and they're in a bind now because they're only going to be able to sign for for $20,000. And, and and like I point out, like I talked to Matt last week. You know, these aren't guys going out and buying cars and mansions and yachts. They're they're using the, the their hundred and 
125 or 150 thousand dollars or whatever to pay off college loans to basically live off of when they're making next to nothing and getting paid only five months out of the year to play in the minor leagues. That money actually is crucial to those guys, and it's unfortunate. I do think some of those guys will sign for 20. Um, I, you know, I don't think there's any guarantee that college baseball is going to be normal college baseball next year. And the problem for a lot of guys, if you're in college now, if you're a college junior. Uh, if you go back, let's just assume everybody went back, which, which I don't think will be the case. But let's say they did. So everybody who would have gone around 6 to 20 this year just goes to school. And most of those guys are college players. It's very few high school players who are going to be signable there. Well, if all those guys go back, and then you have all the guys who would have gone around 6 to 20 in a normal draft next year, half those guys aren't getting drafted. And unfortunately, with the increased emphasis people are putting on age when they're looking at amateur players, but the, the junior who turns down $20,000 this year and goes back, and he's 22 next year, unless he has a great year, he's probably not getting drafted. I mean, we're already going to have fewer minor league teams. It's only going to be a 20-round draft next year. So it's tough. I mean, I think, I think if you went to college with your, your career goal being playing pro ball, you have to think about signing 20000 for 20. If you're a high school player, I do think, you know, the top, you know, 40 or so high school players usually get paid, and I think that'll happen. Um, but I, I think that the sad thing for the high school guys is you're going to have a lot of these guys who aren't the top, top-tier high school players. We're going to find out in August when a bunch of college juniors go back or their schools weren't counting on having back, the schools don't have scholarship money now, you know, for the, for the freshmen. I mean, the scholarship limits aren't going to change. Um, and, you know, we may see, I mean, we're already seeing Bowling Green drop baseball yesterday. The Mid-American Conference tournament announced they aren't, I mean, Mid-American Conference announced they aren't going to have a baseball tournament for the next four years. I, I think the economic mm. downturn is going to hit a lot of college baseball programs. So I, I I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't even think it's a guarantee that, that we're going to have 290-something schools playing Division One baseball next year. It might be a lot fewer. It's, a, it's a, a very stark landscape, unfortunately. What will the absence of these 1,050 draft picks do to uh, Major League farm systems? And is that absence something that the owners are welcoming? Um. I don't think the owners are welcoming me. I think the owners are just looking at dollars and cents. And I will say, uh, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this. I mean, you know, so the bonus pools for the first five rounds are $236 million. And, again, I know fans are probably listening in this economy going, man, that's a ton of money. And it is. But you also have to realize that when, when players sign, that they're controlled for six years in the minors and six years in the majors by their teams before they can get fair market value. I mean, look at how the Cubs – you jerked Chris Bryant around for a year and cost him a year of free agency. I mean, and, and you don't make anything in the minors. But they're deferring $220 million of that of that bonus total. They don't have to pay this year. So they're not paying these guys up front. They're, they're deferring the money, so it's not as stark as it is. I, I think it's just dollars and cents. You know, the, the MLB has made no secret, and it's going to happen. I mean, the minor leagues have already kind of acquiesced it's not official yet that you know we're gonna have 42 fewer teams and so you know with fewer teams you need fewer players and and i don't dispute that i mean i won't dispute you can i think argue whether or not fewer minor league teams is good for the the grassroots development of baseball but but i will admit yeah you know the the current system has some inefficiencies do we need a 40-round draft no, we don't. But we probably need a 20-round draft every year. And, and what it's going to, I think, affect, I think it affects both local teams because the Cubs don't have a very good farm system right now. And the White Sox have a highly ranked farm system on the strength of, of the four or five guys on the top of their prospect list. But they're going to take a downturn in the farm rankings when, when Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal, and Michael Kopech graduate to the big leagues pretty quickly whenever we resume play. 
is you know it, 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 it costs you a year to, to, to build up some depth. I mean, like you're just not going to get depth this year. Um, you know, and then again, I, I'm not under the illusion everybody hits on all 20 rounds of the draft. There are good players in every round, and if you find them, you know that, that that's a huge huge boon. So do I, I, you know, but in terms of your question, Matt, about the owners, I, I think they're just looking at the finances of this. I don't think there's really any great concern as to the the effects on farm systems or teams. Jim Callis, amateur baseball expert for MLB Pipeline, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Let, let's take the minor league discussion a step further. Uh, do you see, Jim, projecting baseball in 2020, 2025, 2030, uh, changing to the point where, uh, yeah, owners do not want to spend uh, countless money in draft picks and time scouting and developing uh, majority of players who never make it to the Major League Baseball. Will there be a new system of signing and developing players? Will some minor league teams that, that do survive become independent to the point of strength and having the ability, like they did in the 20s and 30s, to uh, own those players, uh, have their own contracts, and then sell those players to Major League, play, uh, major league teams like they did 100 years ago? I don't see that coming just because it's too costly. I mean, the, the minor leagues are, are getting crushed by this. I mean, there's, I mean, I don't think there's been any official announcement yet, but there's not going to be a minor league season. And the coronavirus really hit when a lot of teams are already, you know, put a bunch of money into the 2020 season. That's never going to happen, and they're going to have more expenses next year because MLB is going to want them to, you know. But now that you know, I think there's an outcry to actually pay minor leaguers, you know, something that's that's more resembling a decent wage. You know, the MLB wants the minor league teams to pick up that. No, I, I don't think, I mean, you know, back then, you know, the minor league teams were independent, you know, way back when. But I just don't think they're going to have the wherewithal to go out and sign players. Now, you may see, if we see, I don't necessarily see having fewer than four full-season teams, which is, I guess, what the plan is right now. But, you know, maybe you'll see, you know, some independent leagues, you know, that replace what the New York Penn and the Northwest League are right now. You know, I mean, you might see like you do now, like occasionally those teams sign players. But I don't think it'll be a massive influx of independent players. Uh, you know, yes, there are some players who get drafted after the 20th round who wind up being big leaguers. But, but the vast majority of them get drafted higher than that. So I, I think MLB teams would still be finding most of the good players if they had, say, a 20-round draft. I, I, I want to I try and figure out, and it's incredibly difficult in real time as it's happening, what is to differentiate some of our feelings about the good old days and some of the realities about what might be inefficient and has to become more efficient. What, you know, is there inefficiency in a general sense with the minor league system, or is it more inefficient for the organizations that maybe don't do it as well as the others? No, I mean, I, I mean, I've said, and I think it's fair. Look, if you were setting up a development system from baseball from scratch right now, I don't think you would do it, you know, 100% the way it is now. I mean, you know, we draft players. You know, the, the concept of the org player who is there to play second base, you know, because your shortstop prospect you know, needs eight guys on the field with him, like, like that's inefficient. I mean, could you do? A 20-round draft, like I said, you know, with with four full-season teams, and then you have a complex team for your younger guys. You could. I, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, I mean, yes, I think you lose some grassroots development of baseball and baseball fans by having more teams. Um, you know, obviously, baseball has been successful. You know, in recent years, you know, with, with many fewer minor league teams than there were say 60 years ago. But 
you know, it, it's just it's 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 tough. I mean, it's you know, I mean, it, it's going to be tough for those cities. It, you know, we'll see. You know, Joe Sheehan of Baseball America had a good line, and he's right. You know, if your business depends on somebody else paying your employees, that's not a very uh, you know, good business model. And that, I mean, that's essentially what's happened. And I, and I think the real reason we're seeing a lot of these changes is, like I said, you know, minor leaguers get paid next to nothing, you know, unless you're a AAA veteran. They get paid five months out of the year. They don't get paid for spring training. They don't get paid for instructional league. I mean, well, what they make is almost criminally low, and there's been an outcry. And now, you know, you're going to see in the next, you know, I don't know if it'll be next year after the coronavirus, but teams were moving. You know, the Blue Jays famously did this last year. You, know, you have teams moving to pay these guys a more decent wage, and that's going to cost a lot more money. And I think these, the, the, the that kind of, you know, created this idea that, like, look, we're being inefficient. If we're going to have to pay these guys a lot more money, do we need to pay so many of them? So, and you, you again, you, you can debate the the wrongs or rights of that, um, but but I, I think to be fair, yes, the system is inefficient. You don't necessarily need six or seven minor league teams to develop you know players through big league club. Now, the flip side of that is, as a competitor. I would want to have as many teams as I can to try to find as many players as I could because, you know, baseball, you're projecting guys so far in the future. Guys sometimes develop a lot better than you, you think they possibly could, and you wind up, you know, stumbling onto guys, and, and you know, you won't stumble onto as many of them if, if you have fewer opportunities. Jim uh, and Matt, I've had this conversation with Tony La Russa, Jim Leland, uh, Dusty Baker about how baseball has always had it, uh, but backwards uh, in as far as having – the top instructors, the, the most high-profile coaches and managers, and the highest-paid coaches and managers at the lower levels rather, rather than at the top levels because that's where their expertise will allow you to develop players in a, in a quicker way and in, in a more efficient hmm. way by the best guys. And none of them have ever had a good argument about it. They all agree with the premise uh, that uh, they might be uh, – more benefit to younger players in teaching and bringing them along than they would be at the major league level. So it's that's an, an interesting byproduct of all this. But uh, none, nonetheless, uh, Jim, let's dr- jump to the draft. And uh, White Sox pick 11th in the first round on June 10th, Cubs 16th. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, you project possibilities of both of them taking catchers. Yeah, you know, I hadn't even realized I'd done that. Um, that's interesting. Um, I had, until you mentioned that, Bruce, I hadn't noticed I'd done that. Um, it was kind of accidental. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, as I wrote in the intro to my mock draft this week, you know, usually by this time, you know, there's, there's a lot, maybe it's a little bit more than gossip, but it's essentially gossip. You know, people are, you know, agents and scouts are running to each other at games, and there's small talk, and you kind of can glean some draft insight from that. And the old, hey, you know, Theo Epstein was spotted here, so the Cubs, you know, must have, you know, <laughs> like that guy. Well, I mean, you laugh, but it's true, because, like, Theo's not just taking in college games for the fun of it. You know, like, but there's none of that this year. So it, it's very weird that we're less than a month out, and you feel like you know less, and and with the White Sox, what's funny is I have people who are insisting, oh, the White Sox want to go high school. They want to go high school. And they have other guys who insist the White Sox have no interest in taking high school players. So I don't even know which one is really true. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily an absolute. But, yeah, I, I had for the White Sox, I think they would love in an ideal scenario for one of the upper-tier college pitchers to follow them, whether that's you know, Georgia right-hander, uh, Emerson Hancock or Minnesota righty Max Meyer or Louisville lefty uh, Reed Detmers, who's an Illinois kid, 
I think that would kind of be the best-case scenario. I don't think that's quite going to happen. And so I had them taking Patrick Bailey, a catcher from North Carolina State, who's a, you know, a really good all-around catcher. I mean, he can, he, he can hit, he can play defense. I, I don't think he's like a... Uh, you know, like he's a, you know, Mike Piazza at the bat or, you know, Gold Glover behind the plate, but like he's pretty solid in both regards. It, it, it's not like, and I'm not picking on Zach Collins, when the White Sox took Zach Collins 10th overall, there were a lot of people who didn't think he was going to stay a catcher. He was an offensive guy. You know, Bailey, Bailey can do a little bit of everything. And, and the, the high school name that I hear the most for them is a right-handed pitcher named Jared Kelly from Texas, who was really, really good at the area code games last year. Anybody who went out to, um, Wrigley for the Under Armour game last year. You got to see him pitch there too, but it's it's, it's it feels a little bit more jumbled than it normally would this time of year. So it, it, when you said high school, I started to get excited because I was thinking Ed Howard. Is this Ed Howard, friend of the station, uh, Mount Carmel shortstop Ed Howard? Is uh, you know he's got family in the White Sox organization. He shares an advisor group with his favorite player Tim Anderson. Um, it is any chance the White go that direction or where is ed howard looking to go in this draft yeah he you know you hear his name with the white Sox and cubs a little bit again i don't know how much of that is it's just natural you know because he's a chicago kid um i, I think he's in play you know he like it's more like reading a tea leaves right now because again you know teams just found out the details of the draft on friday so it was kind of hard to gauge signability although i mean you assume most of your first rounds are going to be signable it, it seems like ed is I don't know if sliding is the right word. I, I had him going 21 in my mock draft, which feels too low. I just haven't, you know, found that home where it's like, okay, if he gets to say 18, they're definitely taking him. But I, but I do think, yeah, he very possibly could be in the mix for for the White Sox at 11 or the Cubs at 16. I, I don't think that's impossible. And finally, the Cub pick at 16. You also have Tyler Soderstrom, uh, catcher out of uh, high school, that is a possibility. Jim, uh, just talk a little bit about the fact that uh, drafting catchers in the first round has been uh, quite a challenge for for major league teams over the years. Yeah, I mean, uh, the high school catchers especially. I mean, I I put a little note in there because you always hear, you know, high school catchers and high school right-handers are the riskiest demographics. And and it was actually in in response to a guy who I didn't project quite in the first round, this kid from Texas named Drew Romo. And I was so this this fall, I was like, everybody always says that. And so I just went back and looked, and I was was shocked. The last catcher, the last high school catcher who was taken in the first round, who actually stayed behind the plate, and, and got to even five wins above replacement in the big leagues was Joe Maurer. And he was the number one overall pick in 2001. I mean, that's 19 years ago, but he's the number one overall pick. So that's not like a really good uh, example. So then I was like, okay, who's the last guy who wasn't the number one overall pick who won the first round? It was Jason Kendall back in 1992. So that's almost 30 years. There's one high school catcher taking the first round who didn't go number one overall who, who got to even five war. Now that said, the the – if you're looking at high school catchers, there's a better track record of guys who were drafted as catchers but were considered more offensive players. You know, and, and uh, Jason Worth is an example, is, uh, another Illinois high school kid. You know, Derek Barton's one. Um, I'm forgetting a couple, but there've been more guys. You know, it, basically the the looking at it, if you draft a high school catcher in the first round, you better really believe in his bat because if you're counting on the guy staying a catcher, it's, it's probably not going to work out. And, and, that, and Soderstrom does fit that profile. He's one of the best all-around hitters on the high school side. Um, you would have this dilemma 
somebody asked me on Twitter today, like, if the Cubs did take him, would you keep him a catcher or would you move him? And personally, I would move him. Like, I, I thought when they drafted Kyle Schwarber, it was great. You know, Schwarber had the work ethic to want to catch, um, and he wanted to catch, I think, to prove people wrong. Like, he was willing to put in the work. But Schwarber's bat, like, the potential of the bat was too good. And if you put a guy behind the plate, he's only playing about two-thirds of the time anyway, and you're wearing him down physically, you don't get the most out of the bat. So if it were me, I don't know if Theo and Jed and company are listening and they want my advice, <laughs> but if they, they are, take Soderstrom, yeah. I would put him at third base and just get the most out of his bat. And that's the nice thing is he's not – He's not as athletic as, say, Jason Worth, but he's not like one of these catchers who, if he doesn't catch, he has to play first base. I, I think there's a chance he could play third. I think he could definitely play an outfield corner. So if you took him there, it would be interesting to see what they would do with the catching. The, the, the bat would be the main attraction. He's not a bad catcher. I just think he's an okay catcher. You know, it, I've always heard that catchers are weird, right? That catchers develop weird. They take a long time. It's such a refined skill set, so demanding on the body that sometimes it's 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 just it's just funky. And it may change. I mean, if we go to this, you know, electronic strike zone at some point, which seems to be coming. You know, maybe the demands on catchers will be less. It's not like a lot of people steal, and if framing doesn't matter, I mean, I'm oversimplifying here, but, like, maybe you want an offensive guy catcher, you know, who can, you know, just, you know, catch the ball. Like, he's not going to be throwing or, or, you know, throwing and receiving may not matter as much. Jim, we appreciate uh, your expertise, your time, your friendship, all of that above. Uh, We will be listening and watching uh, you over this next few weeks as the draft comes on. June 10th, as scheduled, uh, looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again for joining us in Inside the Clubhouse today. Oh, yeah, no problem. Take care, guys. Stay safe. All right. The one and only Jim Callis, who uh, mm-hmm. is uh, expert beyond expert. Uh, you know, he lives and sleeps and eats uh, amateur baseball, and uh, he's, he's our guy. Yeah, the, uh, the draft on June 10th and 11th, is going to be uh, held remotely, just like the NFL one was. And it's going to be uh, more of a television production, uh, and all of us starve for things to watch. I wonder if there'll be more people watching uh, Jim and his, uh, his compatriots on MLB Network for the draft this year. I'm, ho- I'm hoping there's cheerleaders and music. <laughs> make it, no, a, make it, make it a full-on a, television event. Now, now yeah. a, a brief interlude for uh, the... Uh, you know, the, the sounds of Led Zeppelin, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> any type of uh, any type of entertainment to go along with the uh, Major League Baseball draft is needed. And uh, I'm, I'm willing, I'm open to it uh, because it doesn't have quite uh, the uh, resonance that uh, the other other drafts have. That's for sure. No, that's for sure. I remember the first time that MLB Network made it a television thing, just how adorable and lo-fi it was it's like hey there's two guys at a table with a phone all righty here we go um but they've they've tried to step it forward and make and make it a thing uh so we'll see uh, plenty of time left on the show for people's phone calls bruce at 312-644-6767 we've been getting a lot of texts at 670 about uh the financial situation about what the players are saying and um and and we could talk about some of that that's for sure yeah, we're going to hear from uh, Rob, from Rob uh, Manfred, the, uh, the commissioner of baseball. We have some other sound we want you to hear from some of our great shows during the week. And your calls, as Matt said, at 312-644-6767. Those lines are open until we turn it over to our good friends, 
Steve and Mark at the top of the hour. Yeah, dial it up and get involved. Interactive on Inside the Clubhouse the rest of the way on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I think that um, whenever there's a discussion about economics, um, publicly people tend to characterize it as a fight. Um, Me personally... I have great confidence that we'll reach an agreement with the Players Association, um, both that um, it's safe to come back to work and work out the economic issues that need to be resolved. Little Led Zeppelin by your subliminal request there, Bruce Levine, from uh, Adam Studzinski working for us back at the shop. And that is Rob Manfred from the CNN town hall that he did uh, the other night, uh, expressing some optimism and trying to assure people that it's not quite as ugly a fight as it appears to be when things leak in the media. You agree with that, I'm, uh, Bruce? Yeah, I'm, I'm also looking forward to uh, Jimmy Page being a part of the MLB draft show. Uh, <laughs> that would be... That would be so awesome. Uh-huh. Now after the, uh, the, the Cubs pick, uh, this uh, brief interlude from Jimmy Page. Uh, yes, but, uh, and, and, and also, Jimmy, your thoughts on, uh, on Jared Kelly. Your thoughts on Jared Kelly uh, and whether the White Sox would indeed be interested. Uh, we, we have to have some fun here. I mean, because, you know, again, uh, we, we have to talk too, way too much about the economics of what's going on right now and uh, what Rob Manfred's talking about. So much serious talk about baseball yeah. with, uh, you know, and, and in our lives in general with the, with the virus that everyone's had to deal with. And of course, uh, baseball, you know, being shut down and now talking about medical and economics and mm-hmm. political relationships uh, being the key to the fun of the summer baseball season for the great fans in Chicago and everywhere else in the country. So it, it's a little rough sledding. And, you know, uh, we all don't have a, a big appetite for this, but, you know, we are responsible to keep you informed and up to date of what's really going on here. And there was way too much time spent about models that were being leaked out by, uh, you know, by reporters who were doing great jobs of, of putting it out there. But all those models that we were talking about two weeks ago, Matt, uh, yeah. seems like, you know, it's dust in the wind now. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Kansas. The uh, a texter yeah. says, my wife's business has been closed due to the virus. My business has been severely impacted. I'm fighting to keep everyone employed. And now all I hear about is money, money, money. 
a 30-year-plus season ticket holder here, but I and I sorely miss baseball. I wanted it to come back, but if it's all going to be about the money, then take the year off. Disgusting. Take a hit. Do a short-term bridge for one year and get back on the field. Big Al from Batavia. You know he is not alone in those feelings, uh, Bruce. It, it, here's what I've been trying to figure out. If I, I, I fear that there is a situation where for some big market teams – they lose more money by playing games without fans than they would by skipping everything and just not employing everybody. And I fear that they would either lean towards or accept a reality of no games as opposed to taking that hit to give us some games. Do you get the sense that there are some organizations that could feel that way? Uh, maybe initially, Matt. And, you know, it's, it's a well-thought-out uh, idea on your part, but when you you think about the ramifications of missing an entire baseball season, and how they that impacts who is interested in your product going uh, the next step, who is going to buy your season tickets going forward, uh, who found other things to do during this year without sports and baseball in particular uh, mm-hmm. to uh, to pass their time, that's a that's a huge threat. Uh, that's a huge threat, especially with the economy as we know it changing uh, initially for a few years, if not for the next five or ten years. And uh, the residual dollars for sports and other entertainment maybe not being there for the general public. You you have to be very careful about being cavalier about saying, well, we'll just miss a whole season and those fans will automatically be back to watch our sports. So I would say... Uh, these are very smart men, uh, very savvy people when it comes to the game. I think they understand. If, if Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel understand this premise, I'm sure they've thought this out much further, knowing that a lost season is just that. Not only is it a lost season for the possibility of retaining fans, but it's a lost season for the players and uh, the, diminishing, uh, the diminishing impact it might have on their abilities and their continuity of playing baseball every year. Well, I hope that that feeling that this might be irrecoverable if uh, if games were missed because of money, I hope that is pervasive. Because I agree. I mean, I've certainly heard from some people saying, like, man, if they don't play because of money, then F these guys forever. And I know people have said that kind of thing in the past and then, and then come back mm-hmm. to a sport that they love. But... But this is uh, this is serious times. So let let's hope that that is never going to be the reason that there yeah. is no games. Let's make one distinction, Matt. They play the game for money, okay? There's mm-hmm. it's a huge amount of money, and they are the very best of the best in the entire world at what they do. Uh, whether you think it's the same quality of the of 1930s baseball, 1970s baseball, 2000s baseball, they're nonetheless always the very best baseball athletes available. So uh, they play it for money. Uh, they play it for pride. They play it for winning for uh, the, the teammates, the, their, the fans, and the city. But uh, they are high-quality, high-paid individuals, and you, you cannot get away from that. This is uh, We've got some phone calls at 312-644-6767. We've talked about a lot of different things and now open the lines to you. JR is in Binghamton, New York, and is now on Inside the Clubhouse with me, Matt Spiegel, and him, Bruce Levine. Good morning, JR. How are you guys? We're okay. Good. 
Well, I think you have a great show. I'm a White Sox fan living in upstate New York, so you can imagine that can be frustrating because uh, I have to deal with the New York media. And there's no show comparable to what you guys do in the New York market. Uh, there's no baseball show as good as yours because you guys are so smart and analytical. And um, so you've got a quick take and a question, then I'll listen to your response up here. My take is that I don't think Snell's point of view or Harper's point of view are outliers. I think most players feel like they had an agreement and they're going to be pretty much dug into that perspective. Uh, having said that, I think Snell might have done uh, the process a favor in a way because there's nothing wrong with what he said, per se. It's the way he said it, and I, mm -hmm. I think it has created a lot of bad feelings about the players making an issue about demanding what they had agreed to on March 26th. But living in New York, on March 26th, which is where the Major League Baseball players' offices are, it's where the MLB offices are, it was about as bad as it could be in terms of the pandemic. It was a ghost town. I have no idea why the owners would have thought that if the game came back, when it came back, um, they'd be able to play in front of fans and that they wouldn't have factored that into their thinking about the economics of what they offered the players on that date. So I can see why the players would be upset. Having said that, though, that's my take. My question is this. Uh, everybody keeps saying there's going to be a resolution and there's still some optimism. You guys are the two smartest guys I've ever heard on the radio about baseball. Where could the common ground be found in a tough negotiation between the revenue sharing and the um, – and the, uh, the the way that things were set up with the players were guaranteed. And anyway, I love your show. Have a good day. Thanks, Thanks. Jr. Uh, Very much, Matt. I'll I'll stop. I'll, I'll join in by saying, uh, hopefully, uh, the intelligence and the things that we've talked about prevail. And the fact that 2020 is not the last year of Major League Baseball, and that mm -hmm. they try to project the game of baseball and the connection between the fans and the players and uh, the owners of those cities, uh, that's essential, okay? I'm not telling anybody how to split up their money. I'm just saying, do it, do it quietly, come back humbly, medically sound and safe, and give us a product uh, that we can at least attempt to enjoy over the summer. I, I, I know some of it might sound, you know, a little bit Pollyannish, but in, in reality, that's what they have to do. That's the major challenger. That's the point. 2020 is just another blip on a major league season. It'll be looked back upon differently because uh, it's, it's a change and it's different than any type of major league baseball season is. But don't eliminate the season. Do everything you can to play. As you pointed out, I think very well a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe three or four weeks ago. I'll take 50 or 60 games uh, yep. because it's important to have the continuity of a baseball season, even in a truncated format. I agree with his idea that Snell, Blake Snell's comments may have done the process of favor. It needs to be less public and it needs to be more compassionate. And when Manfred goes on CNN and says, no, this is not a fight. I still have some confidence. And when Rickett says to season holders, no, I think we'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. I, I know that Tony Clark and Scott Boris are angry, but I really would like to see them take a more compassionate tone because the truth is that both sides are going to have to bend a little bit here and find that common ground. And it is going to have to be with some understanding. If I'm the players, I want more openness and honesty from the owners. And if I'm the owners, I give it. 
I give it. And maybe it goes against what you've thought is the is is the structure and the disparity between you and the product. But give some more openness. Show that you understand that that this mistrust that's been there for decades and decades needs to fade away a little bit here, at least well, a little. It's got to fade away. The one most important thing that we learn from this, and I hope all of us learn this, is that we've always been told how important the fans are to the game of baseball, right? And how they are essential in the pandering uh, from uh, both uh, the MLB side and the player side has always been there. But now the realization without fans as to what the game is, what it could mm -hmm. be, what it might not be again, if you don't really cater to fans and their needs and looking at the reality of the economics and the job situation going forward. Uh, pay attention to it, Major League Baseball. Pay attention to it, the Players Association, because we've always heard it pandered to. Now that reality is sinking in, as uh, Tom Ricketts tells us, that 70% of their revenues are derived by the fan day experience around Wrigley Field, in Wrigley Field. So that, to me, uh, when you hear that number, uh, that's one of the most uh, important things that I've heard uh, since baseball stopped. And it's something that people should really focus on and understand going forward. If you want Major League Baseball to continue on and flourish, uh, you better pay attention to that those fans. And uh, the, the quibble between both sides, although is essential in any business situation, Matt, uh, there's, not a, there's not a big appetite for it out there by anybody. No, there sure isn't. And that means from the owner's perspective, Bruce, they've always, I think, successfully crafted a message well, got it out there in the media, and then let people like like J.B. Pritzker did this week paint mm -hmm. the, the players as as mercenary and callous and, and, and unreasonable. And I think the owner's side needs to do less of that and the right. players need to show a little bit more of an understanding that they're going to have to bend with something. I know a lot of people have gone back to work with a pay cut, or a lot of people have accepted a furlough and, and tried to do what's best for their company. So, you, you know, at, at, at both sides are going to have to show some willingness here. And to the governor's credit, he walked that back the next day. He did. He and, did. And he, he, and he said that he was wrong, that uh, they have as many rights to negotiate a fair wage and uh, how important their job is uh, with anybody else. So I give him a lot of credit for walking that back. Look, uh, these are tough times. These are emotional times and uh, there's no getting around it. Everybody's job is on the line, including yours and mine on a daily basis. There, there's no getting around that. And we want our baseball back and we want our sports back for many different reasons. Craig is on the northwest side, and Craig is now on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Good morning, Craig. Thanks for calling. Good, good morning. Um, hey, Craig. I'm just wondering if, the, if, the, if and when the game comes back, with, will the broadcasters be traveling with the teams? Will they be mm -hmm. doing them from watching it in the studio? And will perhaps in August and September some fans – be allowed back into the ballpark. Craig, thank good you. questions. It's our good friend Craig Lynch calling in, who's a fine broadcaster, broadcaster and a good friend as well. Um, that's a great question, Matt. I'm, from what I'm hearing, and it's, it's nothing's in stone uh, right now, but uh, 
that broadcasters would be initially allowed, the team broadcasters for uh, the score as well as for television for the Cubs and uh, same thing with the White Sox and their broadcast teams be allowed for the home games. It has not been determined whether they'll be a part of a traveling party or whether they'll have to do their broadcasts back from a studio. Uh, that has not been determined yet. So we are still waiting to find that out. But the best intel I have is that they will be able to do it at home games uh, to be determined going forward about road games for those broadcasters. They might have to do it from a studio. Yeah, and, and, and in terms of some fans in the stands, I, I know that it's been talked about, like maybe eventually if there is the protocol in place and there's a little yeah. bit more of a comfort level as we re-enter society, a couple of fans in each section. You know, can you imagine yeah. the lottery? Like, hey, congratulations, you get to be one of the 600 fans at the ball game today. It'd be yeah. pretty exciting. It would be exciting. It would be alienating, too, you know, as yeah. to how, how you decide uh, who, who gets in and who doesn't, who wants to who wants to get in and who doesn't. Hey, we have to take a short break here, and then we'll be back to talk to you again. Uh, 312-644-6767. Get in with Matt and I uh, before we turn it over to our buddies uh, Rosie and Mark Grody. It is 670, the score of this hour, of which is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call one 877 Cars for kids. Rosie and Grody next indeed, but your call is continuing and inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. I would be very adamant about what precautions are being taken, and I think that's different. If, you're, if you start talking about the monetary aspect of things, you've you, you got to be really careful because the slightest misspeak can set things back. That's a well-timed soundbite to hear from Tom Glavin. Um, who was the main player representative during the strike and lockout time, right, Bruce Levine? It's, uh, and, and Tom yes, Glavin sir. right there. Tom Glavin right there talking about you, be, you have to be careful not to misspeak. And I think the caller earlier made a good point that Blake Snell, um, really, he's, I'm sure he spoke for the thoughts of a lot of players, but it was the way he said it that was extremely off-putting. Yeah, I mean, he, he just isolated himself from everybody else. And I, I think uh, other players respect uh, Snell and they also uh, uh, realize that he has the right to say whatever he wants. But y you're you're right, Matt. Uh, the caller identified it so well that uh, just the the way he came off was so arrogant. You know, it was so matter of fact that he's more important than anybody else. Uh, he's going to make this decision to play or not to play, which is his right. But uh, the the way you know the cavalier way that he went about it, I think uh, just it it I think it hurt the player's side dramatically. Here's a little more from Tom Glavin um, about that. That's got to be a problem. I don't think there's any question in my mind that that's going to turn a lot of people off. Now, will it be to the extent of the strike in '94? I don't know, but I definitely I de I can sit here as sure as day and tell you that if it comes down to money, that everything else has been worked out. And and granted, there are still a lot of other issues to work out. But if it boils down to money and pay, I, I think baseball has a big problem with that. Yeah, and that's about the overall and it dovetails with what we were talking about. That if it boils down to that. It's going to be awfully ugly um, for the public. When it, when it's not about the money, it always is, isn't it? I mean, it just <laughs> you know. But but again, when 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 fans hear it in their sports too much, uh, it's a it's a, a huge turnoff because 
we don't want to think about you know Mike Trout making two hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars a day times one hundred and eighty-two days. Um, we we don't we can't relate to that. Uh, there's there's nothing in our lives that help us relate to it. We we can relate to him being the best player in the game. We can relate to him being a hustling player that gives everything on every play. We can give to maybe he's one of the greatest players uh, that ever uh, strapped on a, a, a jock. Uh, we can relate to all that. The the other things where the money is thrown in our face, we, we can't relate to that. Uh, we don't want to think about it or talk about it very often because it, it's just not what we're interested in. Hey, Bruce, can you confirm that they do indeed still strap on jocks? Um, um, that they still do it that way? You know, I, I don't get to see these guys uh, getting dressed every day. We, uh, 30, 35 years ago, we, we, there was a different culture in, uh, in locker rooms where we could actually see these guys getting dressed. Mm. And, uh, but once, uh, once uh, women reporters began, uh, there was a different type of atmosphere. So I can't give you that play-by-play that you're looking for so desperately, Matt. Okay, well, that's 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 probably good for all of us, truth be told. Um, <laughs> let's go to Christian on the south side. Christian has been waiting and is now on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Hello, Christian. Hey, guys. Um, so I'm a college baseball player, and um, obviously, like, the, dra- the draft, um, like, if it gets shortened and the minor leagues get cut a little bit, it would affect a lot of college players. Um and, like, as a potential, like, me, if I were to get picked, I would be more of a late-round guy. And, like, hmm. to take that away from a lot of college players, like, if it, like that's what makes baseball so great in some ways. Like, you could be a 38-round pick. Like, Mike Piazza is, like, a 60th-round pick. Hmm. And you can just get in the system. And and so it takes away that for a lot of kids. And so that it's, I know that there's a lot of, like, bigger things at play, like, with money-wise, um, but just kind of concerning for a lot of guys, especially guys who go to smaller schools that wouldn't have the opportunity to be a higher pick. You know, we really appreciate the call, uh, Christian, because that's probably, was that one of the reasons you picked baseball to focus on way back when, is that you know that, like, you might be able to get drafted super late, but then have a chance to fight your way to the big leagues? Um, I went to school, the same school that J.D. Martinez went to, and, like, he was a 20th-round pick, and, like, he's become one of the top hitters in baseball. And so, like, you see those stories all the time. Like, they some 30th-rounders pan out more than first-rounders. And yeah. so it just that's how the game works sometimes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right, Christian. Thank you for chiming in. Uh, yeah, the Mark Graces and the Mark Burleys of the world are the, uh, are, are the focal points of what the, you know, God. what the gist, Matt, baseball is all about right that the opportunity christian is worried like a lot of people are that that opportunity to develop and to uh show his skills won't be there i'm glad he called that's such a personal and tangible reminder of what message this sends and this particular class that particular kid who always knew hey man it's a 40 round draft i might have a chance to get picked and then i can get into the system and really learn from the best and improve and yada yada and here it is right now getting slashed to five rounds we also had a text earlier bruce from a guy whose son is a, a, a division one recruit 
who has been told that his scholarships will not be available at some of those schools because a lot of those college kids are coming back that expected to be drafted. So Matt, it's, uh, uh, it's very real. Yeah, Matt, uh, you have your show tomorrow. It's Hit and Run. Give us a little bit of thumbnail sketch of what that's all about tomorrow. Uh, Doug Glanville, our friend, the former Cub, the marquee employee, and more, will talk baseball, but also talk about his experience playing pickup games with Michael Jordan in 1994, along with Lyle Mouton and Curtis Pride. I can't wait yeah, for that. That um, should be fun. Yeah, and then Kendall Gill uh, talking about the last dance, and my friend Greg Cott, the longtime rock critic and baseball fan of the Chicago Tribune as well. That's tomorrow on Hit and Run at 9 o'clock. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Uh, you can also uh, follow me on our website, 670thescore.com. Occasional appearances on the marquee as well. It's been fun, Matt. I'll see you there Monday as well. Have a great weekend. Have a great week, Bruce, and I will see you on Marquee on Monday on Cubs 360. Rosenblum and Grody are next right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 